0: The story for today is from the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to tell it, and I'm going to use words that are mostly from the New Revised Standard Version, which is in your Bible, but as I say often, they're also um, modified a little bit based on translational, uh, translational choices that I've made based on other scholarship. So listen for the Word of God. And Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom and curing every disease and every infirmity. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and and helpless. They were torn apart. They were oppressed and and thrown down like, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So... Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then Jesus summoned the disciples and gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every infirmity. These are the names of the twelve disciples. First... Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddaeus. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. Do not enter the cities of the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, And as you go, proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Clean and cast out the demons. You received without payment, so give without payment. Do not bring gold or silver or or copper in your belt. Bring no bag with you, no uh, extra tunic, no extra sandals, no staff, because laborers deserve their food. And whatever village you enter, find out who in that village is worthy, who is hospitable. And when you enter that house, greet them. And if they are hospitable, if they are worthy, let your peace come upon them. And if they are not worthy, if they are not hospitable, let your peace remain with you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to what you have to say, shake off the dust from your feet. Shake it off as you leave that house or that town. Because I'm telling you, it will be better in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the Day of Judgment than it will be for them who were not hospitable in that land. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Beware of them, because they will hand you over to councils, and they will flog you in their synagogues, and they will drag you out in front of kings and governors as as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And when they hand you over, Do not worry about what you will speak or what you will say because what you are to say will be given to you at that time. Because it is not you who speaks, it is the spirit of your father who is speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father, his child and children will rise up against their parents and kill them and they will hate you. Because of my name. But the one who persists, who endures, will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. Because truly, I'm telling you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel by the time the Son of Humanity comes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be you to God. God. Let us pray. Holy God, as I have been praying all week, be with us. Be with me here as I speak. May my words carry something of your story, of your will for us, and where they do not let them fly away. Be with all of us in our listening that we too might be moved to follow you more fully in our lives. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, who taught us to pray that your will above all would be done. In his name, amen. When I was 25 and fresh out of seminary, I did a year-long residency as a hospital chaplain. And during that time, I saw and experienced many, many things, but one experience stands out above most others and came to mind immediately as I was reading the story for this week. It was late in the afternoon. I was the chaplain on call that day, and I was called into a dark room on the cancer unit. In the bed lay a woman who was too young to be lying in that bed with her mother sitting next to her. And she looked at me and said, can you heal my daughter? Over that year, I felt helpless many times and in many spaces. I knew that the, the purpose of my being in those spaces was to mark holy territory, to pray on behalf of families, to petition God for healing, to remind us of hope here and now and hope eternal. I had no idea what to do. I honestly, though it's not part of my tradition, uh, thought about trying. <laughs> I remember that I have this beautiful book of healing liturgies that includes an exorcism, And in my desperation, I thought about that. I have also thought about that when it comes to parenting, just if you're (laughs) a side business. There are moments when we are called into spaces and places or when places and spaces appear around us suddenly where we feel helpless and overwhelmed by the need at hand. So when I hear Jesus telling his disciples, and I guess thereby telling us that we need to go out into the world and to to cast out demons and to cure and to raise the dead and to cleanse the lepers, I don't feel often up to the task. It is a mystery to me why Christ would include the likes of me, as I imagine it was for those disciples. Such was the feeling I have had over and over again this week. heading uh, to a field trip on Wednesday morning and hearing about this beloved community under attack. Watching the news play out throughout the day and wondering, like I've wondered from this space before, how did we get here? Hearing about a similar situation on another coast, about a fire in London, My stomach turned. What do we do? For me, where I can immediately connect is not necessarily in the knowing the how we are to do what Jesus calls us to do, but the the moment that it all begins for Jesus in this story. It says Jesus saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion. The word uh, from Scripture, the root of it is splachna. If any of you speak Greek, keep quiet about my pronunciation, will you? The slagna are the bowels, the intestines, and by extension the, the lungs and the liver and the heart, the innards, the guts. He was moved in his innards when he saw the great need of the crowd, the crowd that had been divided, the crowd that had been oppressed, the crowd that was under attack. He was moved in his bowels, in his innards. And out of that space, He calls his companions, his disciples, those that have chosen to follow him, to be so moved and to go out into the world and deal with the issues of life and death, not just metaphorical but real, physical need. So I ask you to begin... by exploring what it is that moves you in this way. For some of you, it is just what is going on in your homes right now. And that is enough to attend to at this moment. For me, this week, it was all of those things. It was struggle to understand how Philando Castile is dead and, and what the repercussions of that are and what it means about us. And and to to think about the people on that field, the people who... All many of you who play on that field, the people who risked their own lives, the Capitol Police who risked their own lives on that day to keep a safe space for others. My stomach, my bowels, my, my whole being turns. What is turning and churning in you? Jesus calls us to pay attention. On Wednesday night, when some of you came into the chapel to pray and to listen to the psalms and to light candles, what I heard was not that there is an increased level of fear, but that there is an increased level of connection. We are connected to every other story of violence, to every other story of insecurity. We are Connected, And in that connectedness, there is opportunity for compassion, which we have indeed seen fleshed out in the days since. It begins with splatchnoth. Into this world, this world, this week's world, This day's world, we are called to see, to hear, to experience what is around us. And then we are called to speak good news and even to heal. That Jesus Christ calls us, summons us to take what turns us inside out and the the infirmity of the world and inside out that infirmity by naming and proclaiming and speaking and acting is a daunting thought. I would love, as I would have loved in that hospital room, a case-by-case handbook. When presented with this issue, see uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 36 through 47. Uh, This is what you shall do in each and every instance, but that is not what we are handed. We are handed stories with which we can connect to core principles by which we follow the core of our faith, which is to follow God. There is no instruction manual, but there is perhaps a field guide, a pattern that we see set forth in this story, and so I am going to go through the story and lift up to you what I think will be helpful for such a time as this. Because my overwhelming sense this week was, what a place, what a community, And what a call we have to move forward. So a few notes from the story and the field. Nine, to be exact. First of all, Jesus looks. He sees people. He sees them where they are. Just for how they suffer. Not for the why. But he sees them. He notices what is around him. So, notice your compassion. What moves you? Not just your passion. We all have passion about a lot of things. It's the co that's striking to me in this the, the passion, the compassion for another person or community's stories. It's not self serving, it's other serving. Where are you moved to compassion? Jesus led from this point. Sorry, there are ten. Number two is to pray. He says, before he sends the disciples, he summons them and says, Look, pray to the Lord. The harvest is plentiful. But ask the Lord to send out laborers into that harvest. Pray. Number three, bring a friend. Yes, I named the disciples. And what Matthew does in his gospel is he pairs them. Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother, Andrew. Even Judas Iscariot gets a partner. We don't do this alone. And when we have companions, uh, human companions on the journey, we are reminded that we, God's people, do, do not do this alone. It is God who works through us. Number four, through his restriction... In the beginning of, I mean, though his restriction in the beginning is to only go to the lost sheep of Israel, this restriction is listed at the end of the gospel when he gives the great commission to go out into the world. But first, Jesus tells them to stay at home. Not in their physical homes, he is sending them out, but to, to stay in their home territory. Compassion enacted begins in our homes in our home communities, with the people that we know and interact with. Number four, take nothing. Take nothing with you. Oddly enough, Jesus here is instructing them to go out and help the infirm by basically becoming infirm themselves, by becoming fully reliant on the hospitality of the stranger. Take nothing, he says, because what you've been given, the grace that you've been given, you have not earned. Therefore, give it away. Give it away. We cannot do this work unless we make ourselves vulnerable. And there is a connection between vulnerability, and hospitality. The story of God is lived out in a community that needs each other and, above all, acknowledges its need for God. And number five, this is indeed a story about hospitality. And hospitality is not named as agreement. But it is about peace. And welcome and listening. You'll notice Jesus talks about worthiness. And uh, worthiness in this is, uh, is according to how hospitable people are, houses are. And it says, if they do not welcome you or listen to you. So hospitality is about both welcoming and listening. If we are to be people who are hospitable, we welcome and we listen. Number six, this must be done with the guiding principle of peace of Shalom. This is the one that's getting a, a fair amount of attention now as, as, the, uh, as the attack on Wednesday seems to have been politically motivated. And talk of our rhetoric, the way that we speak about what we care about, the way that we then speak about each other, is getting its due So Jesus tells them, if, if a house is worthy, let, give, it, give it your peace. If it's not, keep your peace. Keep your peace. Can we maintain our peace even when people don't welcome or listen or agree? Even when they seek to do us harm, can we retain our peace? Can we show up and be vulnerable out in the world? Can we speak of love and truth in love, truth and compassion, and at the same time maintain our own peace. For me, this is particularly difficult. I get angry, and there is room, plenty of room for righteous anger. But there is also then room for hate. My friend, who is a storyteller and military chaplain, said this week, I wouldn't say hate has a home in my home, but I have let it stay on the couch lately. (laughs) About our speaking, which leads to number seven. The way we speak and the words we use. The stories that we tell form us. We must let our words be spirit-filled, that they would also direct our thoughts. What words will we have when confronted with these things, Jesus? And Jesus tells them, that they won't have their own words, they will have God's words, trusting that they have listened to the stories, that they, in the preceding chapters and in their lives, have, have watched Jesus, have looked and seen what he has done, and so have the tools and the guide to do the same, to be directed in the same way. Now make no mistake, what they would speak when they entered those homes, would perhaps be comforting, but it would also probably be controversial. See, we don't always understand the coded language that is in these texts. We are not living as first-century Christians. But when Jesus said, they are like a sheep without a shepherd, he was directly talking about the fact that, that, the, that they, were not, they did not have a leader, He was accusing them of not having a leader. What they would speak into the world would be uncomfortable for themselves and for each other and for the people whom they were meeting. If we are listening to God and letting God speak for us, yes, there will be comfort and there will also be challenge. So the call to loftier discourse, which is a good one, To turn away from the language of violence, which is a necessary one, is not a call to silence or submission. It is a call to speaking truth in love and with humility. I found myself filled with gratitude this week that in this particular place, though it sometimes is a challenge, we have this great gift of political and theological diversity. That gift is most valuable... Maybe not actually in this building. I mean, it's valuable in this building. It's valuable when we can actually speak our truths to people with whom we disagree, knowing that we love and respect them as well. It's valuable to me when I look out into the world and I get angry, very angry about certain things, and then I think about the people in this place whom I love and respect, and I hold them in my heart at the same time. Can we... Can we let this place do that for us? When we have disagreements, when we see different ways that we think God's kingdom should be drawn near in the world, can we hold those with whom we disagree in our hearts as part of our narrative? This community is a great blessing and an incredible place out of which we might be sent. Number eight. This is risky. He cautions them, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And this is not an invitation to naive idealism, you see. It is real and risky faithfulness. Jesus goes on to warn them, not that there might be persecutions, but that there will be. Jesus is so clear about this. So clear. It almost makes me wonder if We're not getting in a little bit of trouble if we're really following the path. And finally, number ten, keep moving. If you do not experience welcome, if you do not experience listening, there are other people that need to hear the story, that need to see hope and light in the world. Keep moving. Keep your peace. Keep your peace with you and keep moving. As it is said, we make the path. We draw the kingdom near by walking the path, by walking following Jesus. Friends, our God is a God who took on flesh and was moved in his guts. He was whole body moved to compassion for us. And somehow, this God, who is love, summons us, even in our brokenness, even when we don't know what to do, summons us to participate in the healing and wholeness of the world, in the coming of God's kingdom. This trust that God places in us is a mystery almost as, God, almost as mysterious as God's own self. God, who is love, called the disciples summoned them and has summoned us as well. Love summons us. It calls us to see, to notice what turns us inside out and to heed that gut compassion as call itself. When Jesus gathers with his disciples, he asks them to pray. The Lord of the harvest would send laborers there are too few laborers send laborers into the harvest to to reap that harvest and then jesus tells them to go to be the answer to their prayers laborers in god's world love sends them and us out into our homes our cities our world to be answers to our prayers. Partners in Christ's mission, trusting that at the end of the day, God will give us words to speak. And God will give us ways to heal. And God, and God alone will meet every need, even beyond our imagining. Amen.